Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Oh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars, if I had well, a million Jacks. dollars, I'm out. Matt Weber on the board. S&P Futures up 18. NASDAQ Futures up 81. Dow Futures up 147. We're definitely uh, creeping up. We were down yesterday. Uh, we've had, even, even Friday, which was a down day, we've had buying on the close, which kind of indicates... There's some mutual fund buy-in, uh, which I guess is somewhat in keeping with them saying money's coming out of banks. Um, some of it, I think, is going to Treasury. Some is going into uh, some savings in some places. Some CDs are back up to, I won't say great numbers, but you can get CDs somewhere, 4.5%, 475 if you look. Uh, Apple's coming out with some sort of a savings plan where they're going to pay 4.1. I think Lakeside, Maddie, what are they, 4.5 if it's if it's six months or something? Or any more than that. Uh, so some places are starting to creep. Uh, I know here at uh, IB, I think we're three and a half or four, if you have a minimum. RBC, not as much, but uh, our IB is pretty aggressive. Do we have Mr. Brendan? I'm here, Chief. How, How are you, buddy? <clears throat> are you uh, racing around all day now, just moving your money around like uh, the little ladies on the south side used to do back in the 70s? <laughs> Well, you know, I've got a, um, a a jar that used to be a mayonnaise jar, and I've got a place under the bed, and so I'm looking for safe places to move back and forth. Well, you don't want uh, you don't want your money in hundred dollar bills because we're trying to a devalue them and b make them useless, probably. Mm-hmm. How's that going to work it, out? You think? Uh, I don't think it's going to work out very well. Um, we seem to be on a lot of paths, aren't we? That don't seem all that well thought out, but that's that's just one man's opinion. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Jack Callahan used to say uh, on the board board member to CBOE with me, we don't know where we're going, but we're well on our way, and we're going pretty fast to get there. Yes, and we're and we're hustling. Um, we're in a real big hurry to get there. Yeah, and uh, you know what? It 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 sounded kind of funny the first time you said it, but boy, <clears throat> it seems like it gets more and more, uh, you know, crazy. Last night I was with a somber group. Uh, all I wanted to do was talk about. The, the semi-riots in the city last week and the, the total lack of response there seems to be. I, uh, and, and how, how somehow or other we got awarded the convention and yesterday with John we were talking about these buildings downtown that are seemingly um, a lot of them are in, well, I won't say foreclosure, but what do you want to, what's the word, Brennan? They're sort of in receivership. They're kind of big, big albatrosses. Nobody seems to be coming in with bids, at least that we know of. Where is this all? Where is this all going to head? I mean, uh, I don't know. You know, one of the big glory things out that that was supposed to be the timeshare offices, we work in places like that, and and they're giving back their buildings too. Yeah, 
I mean, yeah. that was the latest thing that I saw yesterday was WeWork is uh, is has walked away from their biggest lease downtown, and you know that was supposed to be the wave of the future, even surviving the pandemic with just shared office space. And um, it, it's really sad looking downtown at all the what used to be the beautiful buildings. Um, and I understand that progress means that new buildings are being built and and occupied, but even the new buildings seem like uh, they're they're pretty empty right now. And when you walk down LaSalle Street and Michigan Avenue, boy, is it sad to see the condition of those buildings and all the empty uh, space on the ground and second floors. Well, I mean, the last thing you want to do is be the owner of a strip mall right now. Oh, my God. That's right. I don't, uh, I mean, it, it's... It is scary to see the. Um, I don't. If I guess I shouldn't do this so much, Brennan, but I'm uh, wherever I go, I try and talk to people and just kind of look around. You you don't, you don't want to do that. <laughs> the stuff you see. I mean, I, last last month we had a, a a CPI number followed by a PPI number, and I know I, I harped on this a little bit then, so I'm not going to be too crazy on it. But the actual last month's number for energy prices was positive 1%. This is especially in the gasoline. And somebody somewhere made an adjustment to the number and made it, made it down like 5%. So it made a 6% adjustment in it. And, and that adjustment on the energy line, both in the CPI and the PPI, is what brought both numbers in better than expected. If they would have mm-hmm. just left the unadjusted number there, the number would have been worse than people expected. So we ended up having a two-day stock rally. So, I mean, I, it's hard for me to believe that people aren't trading that in, on that information, but whether they are, they are, and I can't prove it. Um, but all of a sudden now, in the last three weeks, we've got gas up, what, 15%? So now if they if they reverse that <coughs> uh, number and, and, and actually put this month's number that, that's actually happening, <coughs> what are we going to get this CPI this month? <laughs> What, what's what's it going to look like if if anybody comes clean? Because what is it, in the last three weeks? It's up sixty cents at the place that I get in, a, in a, on Bell Road, and we're talking about ma- major changes. So they're going to take back the five percent that we shouldn't have in the first place, decrease, and add fifteen on top of that. We're going to see a twenty percent jump this month. What is that number going to look like if anybody's honest with it? Mm-hmm. It's um. It- there's a reckoning day coming. I do agree with you on that. There is a day of reckoning coming, and it's not going to be pretty. Or, or can they? I, uh, you know, this is not. You know, the thing of it is, people trade off these numbers, and 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 certainly the hype off the numbers because you see you see it happening, uh, and I people's access to the real numbers. I mean, how many people actually look at the CPI number like a dunderhead like me? I mean, if you look at them, you go, wait a minute. <laughs> Where did, where did that one come from? But you, you just you do kind of wonder, Brennan, if why all of a sudden is it okay for our elected officials, people that work for us, to lie to us? I mean, it, to some extent, I think it. You know, in World War II, and I don't think everybody got the full information on the fighting and so forth. But that's a lot different than telling people the price of bread's down when you when you're looking at it. And you know, it's up. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know how people think they can get away with that, but apparently they do think they can. I, I don't know. What, what you mean? How all of a sudden is that okay? Well, it's not okay, but you know the, there has been a, a history, and it's been accelerated in the last 
15, 20 years, um, I, I think no one goes unchallenged. And, you know, here's uh, this is getting a little bit afar from where you started the topic. That's okay. Roll. What I think when I think about the way that elections are moving right now, um, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk recently about democracy and saving democracy, whether you're red or blue or purple or anything else in, in color on the political spectrum. The one thing that I have noticed is the dearth of contested elections at, at various levels. You know, how many representatives in the U.S. House, how many senators go unchallenged or with minimal challenge in their election? And it's not just a question. I mean, it's almost like an automatic seat for a lot of these folks. And that is really dangerous because without being challenged in a primary or without being challenged in a general election, these guys can do anything and say anything they want and won't be challenged, which gets to your point. How can they do these things to make themselves look good or to make the numbers look good? It's because nobody challenges them. And I think it's abhorrent. And you, know, you look at the state of Illinois, how many of the legislators are elected without a serious challenge or even no challenge at all? City council members in the last election, there were a dozen of them who had no opponents. Now, you know, that, that acts on a couple of different levels. First, they're walking into an office that, um, that, that they really didn't earn. And, and I'll come back to that point in a minute. But yet, it also affects things like the mayoral race. You know, if, if I'm in a, in a ward where there, there's really no option except one candidate, why am I going to go out and, and vote for the mayoral candidates in the general primary? Um, and, and, you know, when you look at that around the country in different states, and, and the parties involved are trying to set it up so that there is no opposition because of the way that the landscape is, it really undercuts the whole purpose of democracy, which allows them to do what you're pointing out uh, are being done with manipulation of the numbers and saying, don't really look over there, don't look behind the curtain. Well, I don't, I don't, the, uh, the voting part, <laughs> my guys last night were a little, uh, uh, they think the election was stolen. Um, is, is it true that for the first time, uh, Tony Preckrick opened up a precinct in the jail? I'm not sure about that. I, I don't remember that story. I don't either. I don't know if that was the case or not. Yeah, I don't either. So we probably should not, not lob that one out there. But it was. But, but I also think, you know, I don't see enough evidence that the election was stolen. And, you know, that that's a road that I don't want to go down because. I don't either. Yeah. I mean, that that's an old story from 2020. It's caused a tremendous amount of rift and no evidence in the presidential election, and that cannot become the norm of any election just because our guy or your guy loses. You know, it can't be that nobody could believe that so-and-so won that position, so it has to be stolen. Everybody that I talk to says they voted for X, so X could not have possibly lost. When you get into that kind of a discussion, it means that the people you're talking to are probably of the same political ilk that you are. And, of course, you're not going to see very many people who voted for the other person. So, you know, that's a misnomer. And, and just because somebody lost an election doesn't mean that the election was stolen. And I refuse to go down that road for the, the mayoral candidate here. Um, 
you know, he lo- Vallis lost. I, 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 I'm with you. I would say that I'm not, I'm not into the, uh, and I think you and I are old enough to know there's always imperfections in these elections. Of course there is. And that's, that's why I think that the, the laws, the way they are, especially in the presidential election, really need to be changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, the idea that the, the Bush versus Gore in, in Florida, anybody who's taken two weeks of a statistics course will tell you that that election was a dead heat. Yeah. And the idea that one person got all the electoral votes versus the other is crazy. I, mean, I, I, would, I, I agree with you. I mean, that was 527 votes, if I remember correctly, for the entire state of Florida. And that was the one that determined who got the White House. Well, yeah. there was one other vote, and that was the 5-4 vote on the Supreme Court. Yeah. <laughs> so really, it did come down to one vote. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I just, but I guess what I'm saying, I, I would, the Trump election, and, and God knows everybody, my, my, my attitude towards Trump, but a lot of states, like Lou talks about how the mail-in voting in, in uh, Colorado has been there for a while. And it seems like they do a pretty good job with it. The same mm-hmm. way I think you mentioned Oregon or some other place. But all of a sudden, the idea that all these places had this, this mail-in voting, uh, seemingly their first way through it, and they're not going to be counted in the precincts with the same judges and stuff like they used to be. The absentee ballots used to be counted in the precincts. Now they're not. An awful lot of changes sure seem to come awful rapidly and in the in the in the red states they couldn't wait to shut precincts down in areas where they didn't think so both sides despite what they say brennan are doing their level best to rig the election now whether they succeed or not you and i you and i are of the of the ilk that it all sort of evens out but the fact that they're both trying their damnedest to rig it that part to me is very obvious i mean i agree I mean, whether they're successful or not, you and I think that probably not. But the fact is, they're trying. Well, you know, I'll also go back to um, older elections, and you may remember some of these because um, you're of a you're, as you say, of a certain age. But I remember uh, being up late at night uh, for municipal elections and state elections in Illinois, and you would hear the the commentators and a guy like um, like like Studs Turkle or Mike Royko were there. And they're saying, not only look at the numbers, but where the numbers come from. The old river wards haven't reported yeah. So you've got to wait until the river wards come in until you know if A is going to win or B is going to win. So it's not only the numbers, but where are the numbers coming from? And you may remember the anecdote about John F. Kennedy winning the 1960 election. And Illinois was key to that Election. Oh yeah, without a doubt. When the, when the election numbers were coming in and the and the numbers were being reported, polls in California were still open, so the news reports were showing how Kennedy was doing in other states, and typically, Richard Daley the first held back votes until he knew, you know, how many needed, and you know, there was a lot of trickery back in those days. So how many votes needed to come in from certain wards, a.k.a. the river wards, to push the candidate over the top? And instead, a lot of those numbers were reported early, making it seem like Illinois was going to be a tidal wave in favor of Kennedy because the suspicion was that the river wards were going to increase the vote total for Kennedy by so much more. 
And it turned out that Nixon didn't lose Illinois by very much. But the perception, and this was where it came down in California, the perception was that Kennedy was on a landslide because of the vote totals in Chicago and Illinois. And the, the theory was that that impacted votes in California and other Western states. Well, the group last night, and one of the guys is actually <clears throat> was a Valis supporter, and he's pretty close to this, and he said it, it followed the same pattern. He said where there were the, the, the uh, south side wards and so forth, like Mount Greenwood and places, were totaled up real fast, and Valis had this lead. So they knew exactly how many votes they needed to overcome the lead, and that's when the jail numbers came in and some of these other areas, and, it, and just and got ahead by by not very much, but enough. Mm-hmm. It, and, uh, it said it was the pattern was the same as if somebody, but I, I you know I don't really I would say that the the, the, the kind of the difference in the Kennedy Nixon election uh, we 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 know where Tricky Dick ended up, but. I mean, in John Kennedy's words, if I wasn't running, I would have voted for him, Nixon. <laughs> you know, because they were they were they were good friends. I mean, mm-hmm. they they both were very competent. I think people in terms of, you know, out of the country experience, education, the whole bit. But now we have this this thing across the board that it doesn't matter what the competency is. I mean, I the uh, and I and I don't. And it'll be interesting to see how when people get on the other side of we want money from you, oh no, we want money from you. Uh, one, one of the uh, contributors of the show sent me a list of uh, this Johnson guys, a uh, list of people that are his on his team. Brendan, every single one of them, except the, the attorney, the general counsel has had some, she worked for some law firm. Like every single one of them, I, I didn't go through every line of this stuff, never had a real job. Every one of them has I been some kind of a, an organizer or some kind of this. Brennan, it, it's you know, it's it's like electing me to be the general counsel. I don't know the law. That's your job. I mean, it, everybody seems to think that everybody, if they, if they believe this or think that way, that they're the, the, the city of Chicago, the, the mayor has a job as big as the guy, bigger than the, than the guy who runs General Motors. He has how many thousand people working for him? All these divisions, all these budgets. We're not we're not electing anybody who has is close except for maybe Ram and nobody liked. I mean, that actually has the capability of, of or any kind of I won't say capability. They, they, anybody can grow into the job, and I sure as hell hope this guy does, and I'm I'm open for him. But anybody has that. When's the last time this guy did a budget for a hot dog stand? I mean, well, it, you know, that was one of the issues, and he said, "Well, I was on the the county board when we passed the budget, and." Yeah, he was on the board and he voted for a budget, but he doesn't know how to do a budget. And I will give Lori Lightfoot credit. She put together a good team in certain areas. For example, the the CFO and the chief budget officer that Lightfoot had in place, both of whom stayed all four years, have done a tremendous job with the city's financing. And that is borne out by the fact that they're still getting uh, uh, credit rating Upgrades by the um, by Moody's and by S and P's. That was you know a way to run a government department. You can say about Lori Lightfoot other things and how she worked with city council, but she put some very good people in places that you never hear of and you never see, but truly impact the city. And that's one area that I think Johnson really has um, a, a tough job to fill, given the the financial concerns of the city, including not the least of which is the pension payments that are ramping up over the next few years. Well, I mean, and how's, how are you going to deal with the teachers' union? And you see, 
the the rioting of all you know these these young people, uh, you know, I mean, it's not just it's not just one color, Brendan. I mean, you you drive around the anarchy. Last night I was walking to my uh, what worked out. I'm walking to my truck, and there's three cars parked at this chicken joint around the corner. Uh, no, but the food there must be good. I don't know. But there's cars there every night. All three had illegal uh, darkening of the windows. All three. Mm-hmm. Now, what are the chances of a cop going by there and saying, well, I, those are three tickets. Let me see who owns these cars. The mm-hmm. chances are zero. But if you go in, 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 the, in Lincoln Park area, people blowing through red lights, people blowing through stop signs. I, I've never seen anarchy at this level. It, is, is, it, is it just a sign of the times? Are we, are we getting the the, the uh, policing that we want, that nobody wants anybody to stop anybody. I mean, what are we doing? I mean, <clears throat> we talk about there's no news. The news media sucks. Will anybody buy a paper? Hell no. You know, I do. That's, I, that's, I, I have three newspapers sitting here right in front of me right now. I've okay, now, now, how many people in the city... How many but people there are very many, even in my building, who get the newspapers delivered. <laughs> and I understand your point. The, the fact is that people are not reading the news. They're not reading... Um, they're not reading objective news. Well, who, who could you possibly say in the city is an objective news? I mean, the Tribune is about eight pages long. They don't want anybody controversial. They would. They couldn't wait to, for John Cass to quit. They would never mm-hmm. hire Mike Rico. <coughs> the Sun Times is what? <laughs> Sun Times is, is. It looks like the Onion, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. I mean, wh- where are we supposed to get this news? No, I, I agree with you. Both of those papers have really stripped down their coverage. And in fact, when I, because I do read both the Tribune and the Sun-Times, I, when I read the second of those two papers, I said, wait a minute, this sounds very similar to what I just read. And it's the same article by the same reporters in both papers. They're both Associated Press or, or they're stringers for a newspaper and it's almost word for word identical. One article may be yeah. longer, shorter than the other one, but it's the exact same article in both papers. It's like which... my, it's like our Latin homework in high school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, Maddie? Do you remember the name of if, if, if you're listening over there? Who was the, the guy who used to come out and did the murder investigations? Oh, Bulldog Drummond. No, uh, we had a guy on the show, a young guy. Oh, oh it, <clears throat> we had Peter Nikaeus, who was. Um... He was at the Tribune, among other places. He, he kind of bounced around. But, yeah, he was our guy. But, you know, one day I, I remember the minute I, I said, so you're with the Tribune? And he said, oh, no, I'm not. He goes, I just, I, just, I hear the, the police dispatch. I go do the story, and I try and sell it to somebody. Isn't that what he said? I know he, he was doing that, yeah. I, he, but he, he also was a Tribune employee at one time, too. Okay. I think, be, I think, that, I think that was before, but I think, he, I think he was doing it all on his own. God, what a job. Do you think we can get him back? The, you know, the, yeah. there are people, there are reporters like that, especially now, who are kind of freelance guys who uh, monitor the police scanners or, or do their own reporting and then do try to sell it to the Tribune or to the Sun-Times. And I think what I've heard about some of those guys is they have a hard time selling it to either one of those papers because the papers don't want to print those stories. Well, they don't. That's the thing. They don't want to print them. I mean, we're, we're getting a very, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, the, the news is very... I wouldn't say censored, but it's almost censored because people don't want, they don't do it themselves. They're almost like it's, what do you want to call it, pocket censored? What's the term? I don't know the term. I don't, I'm not sure what the term no, is. No, but what I'm saying is that, I mean, I, I know the Tribune will never accept this story 
so I don't even bring it to them. It's a, it's like a implied censorship. It's not like I showed up with it and they said, "Oh no, you can't print that." Mm-hmm. And I know they won't, so I don't even bring it. Yeah, there's a there's a term for that. I don't, I'm not going to get it. Well, I mean, we we saw part of that on a national level with the catch and kill stories that have been part of a an ongoing legal proceedings where somebody will say, "Yeah, I'll buy your story." But you also can't sell it to anybody else. Only only we can print it, and then we don't. Well, I still remember the, the Eddie Jansen story when he was caught in the car sleeping or something. Yeah. And it, it, the first one, Eddie was the first one. Uh, uh, who did Cranes? Somebody. I think it was Cranes that broke that, yeah. And then the next three days, there were, like, stories in all the papers. Yep. God, Brennan, it looked just like my Latin homework. You could tell the same. Mm-hmm. That nobody went there. Nobody interviewed anybody. They just took the first article and changed a few words and printed it again under their name. That's right. Yep. What is what is the difference between a? This may be more of a Matt Weber question. What is the difference between a news, just a regular old newspaper story, the AP, maybe it's a byline, and one where it's a copyright story? What, I mean, once in a while, you'd see some of those where you're looking for a Pulitzer Prize, or the guy might have. Spent six weeks going around the country, or well, something. a lot of them are investigative stories. Like the the Tribune now has an article. Uh, you know, they've done articles on redlining, they've done articles on the judicial procedure, they've done things like investigations in the state house in Madigan that sometimes lead to more investigations and crimes. But those are usually investigative reports that uh, that do take. Well, I mean, um, the Mirage. Remember the Mirage theory stories in the Sun Times back in the day. In the eighties, yeah. where we found uh, um, the city inspectors on the take in the Mirage Tavern, um, and that was like a six-month sting operation, where the Sun-Times reporters bought and operated the Mirage Tavern on Wells, and uh, then eventually broke the story. And you know, the similar thing is happening with the ComEd. That the, they there was investigations on that uh, that came out, and um, uh, you know, but those investigative reporting stories are much fewer now than they were because they don't have the staff. But sometimes I mean, sometimes the article will actually say, uh, you know, Brandon Cornyn, uh, Cornyn uh, copyright or something. I mean, what is... There's, I mean, I, we don't have to, we're not going to beat this one up, but there, somehow or other they let you know that it's their story and you can't, you can't mess with it. I, mean, I haven't seen that yeah. in a long time. Yeah. The, the guy who did the one from uh, the Washington Post, where he did that one where it was the, the horseshoe of despair, it was like six or seven days in a row where he went all the way from Appalachia down through Mississippi and Alabama and up through Arkansas, and he talked about mm-hmm. that was a that was a copyright piece. But I don't know, I don't know the difference. How do you do you say it is, or you got to get it copyrighted, or what? I, um, I, I don't know the rules for copyright in the articles like that, but there is a distinction when you see uh, when you look in the paper and you'll see a byline by somebody in the Tribune, the Wall Street Journal, or whatever paper it is. And their byline means it is their stories. Uh, I think the Associated Press, for example, has a, a system that they sell the story, not necessarily the, the copyrighted, but you know, the writer still has the, the rights to to the story that he or she writes. All right, Brennan, can you hang around a little bit? We've got the sure. SP Futures up 17, NASDAQ Futures up 99, 99, 99.75. We're going to make, a, there we go, 100. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. 
The Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everyone. Barry Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. We're with the board. SP Futures up 1850. Nasdaq Futures up 103. I saw the Dow Futures up 131, which this is surprising a little bit because we've got uh, Goldman Sachs came out. Uh, they missed on their revenue because of bond trading. Uh, they're down 2.5%, down 8, 8.30, but virtually every other stock in the Dow is up pre-market. So I guess that's more than making up for poor Goldman. Uh, how's that for a Freudian slip? Uh, DAX uh, up 99.3%, percent sorry. FTSE up 15.2%, not much there. Yeah, Caron, however, they're up 50.6%. So the FTSE, they're all up, but the FTSE's kind of dragging. Over in Europe, or Asia, ECAF 144.5%, Hang Seng down 131.6%, Shanghai up 7.2%. I don't know when I've seen Hang Seng and the Shanghai going in different directions on a daily basis. Seemingly, it's happening half the time now, which is kind of kind of odd. Way of review yesterday, Dow was up 100, S&P up 13, NASDAQ up 34, kind of reverse Friday's sell-off. Uh, bonds, we've got up down two basis points, 3.57. The Bund down three basis points, 2.45. Japan uh, at 0.48, close to the 0.50 top that the government is putting on that. Oil down 10 cents, 80.73. Brent down 6 cents, 84.70. Natural gas unchanged, 2.27. RPOB down a penny, 2.75. So gas, the gas prices went up, like I said, 15, 20% in the last uh, really three weeks. We've got gold up 9.90, it was down yesterday. 2016 silver up 13 cents 25.22 copper up a penny 407 we've got bitcoin which has been going down bouncing back today up over 30,000 up 627 it was down almost a thousand yesterday so it's 
going back and forth here between like 29.5 and 35, but, but pretty high. And we got the U.S. dollar, which has been causing a lot of this up and down. It's actually up today. Uh, the euro, I mean, I'm sorry, it's down today. The euro is back up to a one, almost 110, and the pound almost back to 125. So the uh, dollar has been slinking against these two for a while now, just uh, causing some carnage with some people who, you know, are questioning their, the dollar reserve being reserve currency anyway. We'll talk to Brennan about that in a minute. Eddie Rapport's traffic weather sports. A lot of sports. Company's playing well. 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have an accident on the Tri-State Tollway northbound just before Ogden Avenue. That's uh, causing significant delays on I-294. The crash has been moved to the right shoulder, but a lot of resulting congestion as a result of that. So you'll want to... Uh, Keep that in mind if you're heading uh, in that direction. Traffic building steadily on the Edens and Kennedy, but no accidents to report. Same for the Eisenhower and Stevenson. Southside Expressway is looking okay, so we're off to a decent start here on a Tuesday outside of that one crash on Tri-State. Weather today, uh, a bit better than the last couple of days. Uh, still chilly and, and a little bit below normal. We'll have, uh, be partly cloudy today with a high of 55. Right now it's clear and 35 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 86, and that's where they are right now, right? They're in the mid-80s, so they'll stay uh, in that uh, temperature range all day long today down in Phoenix. In sports, Cubs are now 9-6 and six on the season. They've won 7 of their last 10 after blowing out the A's last night in Oakland, 10-1. to one. Patrick Wisdom homered twice, and he now has 8 on the young season, which is tied for the MLB lead. Sox were postponed due to weather. They'll play the Phillies in a classic doubleheader this afternoon on the south side. Uh, first game beginning at 3:10. Second game following that one. Sox are off to a slow start at 6-10 on the young year. Diamondbacks are in first place in the NL West after they doubled up the Cardinals 6-3 and improved to 10-7 on the season. Chief. Maybe I'm going to jump you with this one, but you are our executive sports director. What the hell is going on in Oakland? Could, there couldn't have been, out of the, the, the nicest 2,000 seats in the place, there couldn't have been 10, 10 people there. They don't even have box seats sold? Um, I, yeah, that, it's an old, bad stadium. They're talking about moving the team to Las Vegas in the next couple of years. It was cold last night. The fans are kind of boycotting the team. They're 3-14. and 14. <laughs> There's well, a combination of all those things. But, I mean, there was there even 1,000 people there? Um, I think there was maybe 5,000. I mean, it's a huge stadium, but there was nobody there. I mean, yeah. I mean, is the, that tickets sold or is that seats in the, or fans in the seats? That's fans in the seats. Tickets sold. I can, I can probably look up and tell you exactly what they sold. Uh, yeah. I'm going to take the under. I mean, it, when, when, you know, you're right though. There were people upstairs, but when you, when you start panning the back seats and there's not a soul there, it's like, what the hell? Yeah. There, were, there was hardly anybody in the seats early in the game when the Bulls played Miami last week. Is Miami? You they, have a, get, they have kind of a late arriving crowd. I'm sure it must be just the, the right guys. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, how they does, have to make a presence. They have to announce their entrance with their presence. Exactly. Miami's kind of like L.A. in that regard. You, you know, show up in the third inning, leave in the sixth. Because you got other stuff to do. Yeah, and well, and I, I mean, I went. I actually was in L.A. over the weekend, um, and uh, I went to the Saturday game. Of course, that's the one game the Cubs lost. Uh, when they blew it in the in the ninth, but it, I mean it it takes two hours if you're going if you're coming from, you know the the coast call it like Santa Monica Venice that area to get to Dodger Stadium even though you're just going you know on the other side of downtown L A it took it takes two hours, so for a six ten game on a Saturday you leave at four o'clock and you're you're lucky if you catch first pitch, and it's you know they 
53,000 fans were there. It was a sellout, uh, but there was 50,000 cars in the parking yeah, lot. Right. There's no, no public transportation at all, right? It's none. Zero. It's the worst place you could possibly... Um, now, once you're at the stadium, it's beautiful. It's a great stadium, great great place to watch a game. But there's no there's no Dodger dogs for two fifty anymore or anything like that. No, um, they're they're at big league prices. Um, but yeah, so th- I I always made fun of Dodgers fans, but now I get it <laughs> why they arrive at the third and leave at the sixth. It is scary that at, at one time, and I don't I mean I never saw a map of it or anything, but the 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 best surface transportation system in the country was all, I believe, segregated rail, meaning they're not in the middle of the street with the other cars, streetcars in, in L.A., and they tore them all up in the late 50s. No? You could get from, what, one side of L.A. to the other pretty quick for like a quarter, Brendan, and they decided to tear all that up? It's crazy. It was, a general, it was a general Motors study, okay? It was, like, it was like Pfizer doing a study, and the study reveals that Pfizer's the best drug, right? The General Motors study saying streetcars were not a good idea, you should go with buses. Of course, General Motors sold buses. In well, LA. remember also that that uh, even in Chicago there used to be a trolley system of electric buses. They the the, the uh, uh, wires above the road and uh, they were connected by uh, little cables on the top of the buses for electric buses. Well, but I mean these were actual streetcars; they were rails. No, no, I I know, yeah. but but I'm talking about you know now the the move towards electric vehicles and a lot of cities at one time had electric vehicles for public transportation. Uh, San Francisco still does. Because some of those streets, you can't—you need an electric bus to get up them. <laughs> it's true. They have some, of their, some of their lines, they have the cable car and the really, really steep stuff. But some of the stuff that's not quite as steep, they still have electric buses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Matt, you ever, ever around one of those things? Uh, yeah. In the, in the back of the thing, the guy's got this big, long stick. Because if he manages to go too far afield from the the connecting thing on top, it'll hop off. And he has to go out and, and take the cable and hook it back up onto the wire. It's, it's, you ever see a guy do that? It's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's that is. I've seen him with the stick. I've yeah, never seen him had to actually do it. Yeah, it's well. I mean, as long as you're not touching the thing, you're okay. But you know, electric's not going to go through the wood. But your first time doing it, I think you still got to be a little concerned. Yes, you do. <laughs> now, now, the cable car, on the other hand, is is totally mechanical. The guy, the, the brakes and everything are all, are all. Uh, the, the guy pulls on the brake, and it, it, it's his forearm that's breaking the thing. And you know what the brake is made out of, Brendan? What? Wood. Just a two-by-four. Really? Yeah. Hmm. There's actually three three systems of braking on, on the cable car. Uh, see, look what you got me into. Uh, when you see the... the, the the trainman or the conductor, if he pulls back on that big, the big huge stick because it's a huge lever, he pulls back on that. He's shoving two by fours onto the rails. I mean, hard because the thing is all levered, and that that stops it. Or if it's on one of the uh, really really steep lines, there's a there's a guy in the back with a wheel. So t- there's two guys, and he starts turning the wheel, and that pushes stuff onto the onto the ground as well to to stop it. Or the, the worst that can happen, if all those break, he just grabs onto the cable because the cable is only 9 miles an hour. So even if you're going downhill, you only go 9 miles an hour, and if you rack into somebody, it's not you know it's not 80 miles an hour. So the cable is actually the third break. I was waiting for you to say it was like a Flintstones mobile where they uh, put their feet on the ground to, to stop it. Well, it, it's, it's stunning when you get on there. The, their, their biggest job is to tell loser people what to do. The guys are hanging off the thing, and the guy will say, all of a sudden you hear, hey, buddy, up front, 
get that camera around. Because <laughs> people have their cameras like hanging off their behind where they're whacking into parked cars and stuff and don't even know to move their, their <laughs> bag over. I mean, it's really, it's really, but mo- most of the time, could you imagine those things passing like OSHA today? I mean, a cable car, when you're hanging off the thing, there's no seat. In, it's, uh, you know, it only goes nine miles an hour, so I guess that's the good part, but uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. Anyway, but there, we could, but how, uh, how would the, some of these cities, to get back real quick, we have a couple minutes, Brennan, but how, how does the cities move forward now? Because we're, we're all running out of COVID money. Uh, if, if, I mean, that stopped, what, about six months ago? So yep. I, I can't believe that, you know, even if Chicago was doing well or Illinois, you're saying that they've, they've bumped up the bond ratings. They have, but isn't that all COVID money from federal uh, government? Uh, some of it is. Some of it with the city of Chicago was readjusting their debt policy and 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 reconfiguring their, their pots of money. But, yes, a large part of it was how COVID money was used. And I, you know, I do think that the the financial people in Chicago used a lot of the money wisely. Um, you know, it's like the analogy of when you get your tax return back, do you go out and buy a brand new car or do you pay down existing bills and or do you, you know, invest it? Uh, and, and, you know, how do you treat the money that comes in like the COVID money? What was the purpose of it and how did you use it? And yes, when the money goes away, you've got to find another way to do it. But, you know, the way the money is used has long-term impacts. If you, you know, use the, the COVID money to for new programs that are not self-sustaining, you're going to have a lot of problems. If you had used money more wisely to pay down debt or to create funds that can be used in the future, uh, you're in better shape. Well, Brent, is there a... Well, we don't, this is probably a whole discussion for maybe next week, but is there are, are there I use the term two levels of budgets? There's 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 the numbers you think you're going to get, or you you believe, you know, I can look in a mirror and say, boy, he looks like he's 200 pounds, but you know, I guess that that dog doesn't fly if anybody else looks at me, right? Uh, but I mean, now when they send out the bill to say the insurance exchange, or the building I'm in, we're in a, we're in a building on but a guy owns this building, and I'm going to say they've done better. In terms of the, they've lost two or three floors, maybe of people, maybe four, so they're probably seventy percent occupied. Are, are these people, these people, the mayor and the, whoever the mayors are, Ram, whoever the hell they were, are they still gleefully sending out the bill of the last time the owner talked to me? I think he said it's double from ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, are they still sending out? Now, I'll bet this guy's going to pay it. But if you sell and send out that bill to the insurance exchange. You might you might as well wipe your behind with that bill. I mean, we're, is is that the number that the city's putting down in their books, or are they saying what are we likely to get from these people? It's eighty percent empty, and by the way, it's in foreclosure. Nope, nobody's going to write. How, how how does that even how does that work, Brandon? They do anticipate a certain amount of non-payment of taxes every year, and and and, and there is, uh, but you know, typically, like for CPS or for the city. It may be the range of two or three percent of people who don't pay on time, and that's calculated in. Now, what that doesn't take into account is what has been billed for, and you know the the city and the, all the areas are reassessed every three years. So, if if the assessment goes up and the the tax multiplier goes up, there's a higher tax bill. 
but they still anticipate that, say, 98% of the tax bills will be paid and paid on time. And that's where budgets get in trouble, especially in an economy like this, where so many of the downtown buildings are vacant and the, the landlords uh, are, don't have the money or refuse to pay because they're not having the rental income. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be... This can be fought out over the next however many years. Brendan, thank you very much for hanging on, bud. And uh, SP Futures up 16, as if he's 95. Mr. Kenny, you're with us. I am, I am. How are you? I'm doing all right. I hear you're long a whole bunch of spoos from last night, and you're happy? <laughs> I wish I was long. I want to be long Charlie Schwab. That's the one I want to be long. Really? Not Goldman Sachs? Market's, the, the market's doing well. The spoos are up. People are excited. The earnings season in the, you know, the week that we've been actually not even a week it's been what four days um has been uh has been i think as expected at least for the banking sector right it was expected to be higher the banks are higher they're all acting well um we saw johnson and johnson this morning crush it that stocks up uh, you know a little bit better than one percent this morning uh, and so i look forward to the bank american numbers and the goldman numbers today well the bank american numbers i think just came out I, when why why is it and i know boy i'm being a Maybe a grumpus, sir. I shouldn't be. <laughs> Why? I mean, Bank of America was up like sixty cents yesterday. It's up another fifty-five today. Up, Why is it whenever this morning? Yeah. When you when you when you see this guy Moynihan come on TV with his big Eddie Haskell smile, do you feel do you feel like you're that, that it's good for you or no? I do. I like Moynihan and I like Bank of America the same way I like Jamie Dimon and J.P. Morgan. Although I like Jamie Dimon more, but. Um, I do. I get a good. I get a good sense from Moynihan. I, I feel comfortable with him. I feel like he's. I feel like he's. He's telling you the truth. I don't feel like he's hiding anything. I feel like the bank has done well. Um, and I'm also a bank American client, so therefore, you know, I, it's one of those things you kind of go where you know, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm good with Moynihan. So uh, there's there's like no amount of money that you think is too much to give these people. You mean as a as a as a client as a customer of the bank? You mean? No, no. I'm talking about they can get as big as they want to get. They can they can blow through every rule of how big they're supposed to be. They can well, pay people no dough, even though everybody else is paying. Uh, you know, I, the idea that they've had they paid people zero for ten years and the credit card rates have like gone up. I just have a problem with them. I, I honestly do. I think they're way too big. I think they, I think they're a monopoly, and I think something ought to happen. I just well, that's just me. You might, okay. And you think that you can't just think about Bank of America. You think that about the whole group. I'm talking about the four of them, the four or five. Right. We, we, they should be eight or ten like they used to be. Yeah. Okay, there should be. Actually, you know what? And we may see even less because I think the regional banks, I think that the crisis that you know the VCs created a month ago in the regional banking sector is going to create some opportunity for mergers and acquisitions. I think we're actually going to see a less a less amount of regional banks. So I think some of them are going to get scooped up. Well, that's... That's clearly somebody's agenda, Kenny. It's just yeah. not it's just not mine. No, okay, I hear you. And I do agree with you there should be more there should be more com- competition uh because it does feel like, you know, the top 5 banks there are kind of driving the bus. But, you know, so much has happened in the industry so whether it was 2007 or whether it was just what happened a month ago, you know, the hysteria that the VCs created. Um I think people feel much much more comfortable in a big money center bank that they feel like is not not going to blow up because they're under so much regulation and they've got to pass so many stress tests and they've got to you know prepare so much and I, I, I on a certain level as a as a customer and as an American and as a consumer I think that's right but I guess on the other hand you know what you say is correct as well right they're too big 
Well, I also think that the idea of the Fed, and you know, I think you know, Kenny, you and I can can speak freely. Uh, yeah. They've given them so much friggin' dough. Yeah. That they say we've we've given you so much money that you even you can't screw up. Well, that's interesting, but nobody else gets that. Um. Well. <laughs> what what about uh, what about the airline industry? They gave them all well, that money. I mean, I'm saying it. We're, 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 you're like, this, but the, you're right. This this very <laughs> I use the term as Lou says. It, it's yeah. a it's a very fascist economic system. Mm-hmm. Three or three or four industry, three or four companies in every industry with their nose up the ass of government. That that's right. that's been that's been the. You know, I won't. I'm, that you know, I'm not talking about political policy and putting people on railroad cars. I'm talking about that's the German system. That's the European system, right? And 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 I think and always have thought that it basically sucks, and it's not us. But now we're we're going that way. We're real happy with that. Yeah, we'll 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 we'll, we'll, we'll be happy with four banks that, by the way, charge thirty percent on credit cards and give people nothing and the money coming in, and, and that's just the price people have to pay. I, I just think yeah, that that's well, too high of a price. I, no, well, I will tell you the whole credit card thing. The, the, those are your usurious rates. How they even get away with it is beyond me. And even the revolving credit card, right? Those are usurious rates. Yeah. I never how the government allowed those rates to even exist. I mean, look, r- r- when rates were zero, revolving credit cards was you were still paying, you know, fifteen, eighteen, twenty yeah. percent. Now rates went up. You're paying closer to twenty-five or thirty percent. Well, I mean, yeah, the the idea, uh, you know, that. I mean, I just, I can't even, the Fed is talking about lowering rates. We had Nancy was on yesterday. Uh, she does mortgage stuff, but she used to work for a couple of banks and, uh, you know, knows stuff about the industry. And, and the, yeah. the idea that, you know, we, if you were to ask Jay Powell, of course, they would never bring us back, Kenny. Uh, if you were to say, uh, Chairman, over the last six years, you were so anxious to get these rates down. Were you, were you concerned about it around for everybody or just for the few? They didn't, those rates didn't go didn't go down very far <laughs> down the list. I don't think they made it to the the plumber, the electrician. I don't think they made it to the small businessman. They sure as hell didn't make it to the consumer. They, they maybe did in houses, and I'll say that mortgages they did. No, yeah, they made houses for sure. I think for the most part, though. I mean, maybe they didn't come down like those loans that you're talking about. Maybe they didn't come down to levels they should have been at, but they were certainly down, right? But not maybe to the levels where you say, and maybe I agree that they should have been, right? They should have been lower. Well, I mean, we had, we had instances so, of Microsoft or somebody going out for 30-year paper and getting what? Two and a half? Two seventy-five? Yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah. The, the, the Kenny Chief Plumbing Company, I doubt if we ever could go less than eight, could we? Or seven and a half for, for a, and, we, and we probably needed a personal guarantee because of the Dodd-Frank well, crap. Yeah, you know it's interesting. I know I didn't try, so I don't know. But uh, so I don't know what they what people were getting in, uh, for rates at the time. I thought it was less, but maybe I'm wrong. I thought it was closer to four percent, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. I never tried, so I don't know. Right? The, the, the only thing I got was I got a mortgage. But I got a four percent mortgage when rates were on their way back. Yeah, up. mortgages mortgages were an exception. I, I, I agree. I don't. But the business loans, I don't think everyone they never went to like like Microsoft. No, the business never went to. No, the business loans did not ever go to. You're right. Plus, there, I mean, I, I would say that you could have a company for, you know, 50 years and never miss the payment, and now they're going to want a personal guarantee. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean it's, I, yeah. I'm not so sure Mrs. Kenny would like that. Oh, by the way, I just signed the house over for a new, uh, you know, for a new, <laughs> a new plumbing truck. I think you might get a frying pan upside the head, you know, with that. 
<laughs> yes, I probably would. In my case, it would be a paella pan. <laughs> is that is that better? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it, it's got more. It's got more. Uh, it's a bigger pan, so it should do more damage. <laughs> God, but I mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't. I don't know that we that they did that they spent any effort whatsoever to to make sure that the low rates went down the chain. As long as the people up top were taken care of, I think they were happy. Kenny, would you? Yeah, you know what I think. I, actually, now that you now that we discuss it, you put it that way. I, I guess you're right. Again, because I never tried to get a loan during any of that time. It was any reason for me to. So I wasn't. I was. I had no experience. But now that you say it, I suppose. I suppose you're right. The big guys certainly got all the benefit. For sure. And you know, and it's it 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 keeps walking through the chain. And I part of this we had a, kind of an election discussion earlier today. I think the people we elect have no idea of how the wool is being pulled over their eyes. I mean, I had one of the, uh, well, I guess the statute of limitations is over on him because he's no longer with us. We had a uh, gentleman, he used to be on the show, uh, uh, Bob Golden, and he was uh, one of these guys that was, that was worked, I forget which big accounting firm, and he was one of the people that worked on slash designed a lot of these Ways people could move their 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 places off seas and, and get, you know, and not pay the taxes on them, right? You know, like the double Dutch sandwich and what was the Irish one, the Irish something something, and uh, finally rubbing a couple beers one night and I go, I go, Bob, how the hell when you're talking to these IRS people, and you know what you're putting over on them, how do you keep a straight face? He says, Tom, for a thousand bucks an hour, you learn how to keep a straight face. <laughs> I go, I go, how could, how could you ever talk these guys into this crap? He goes, he says, I, I couldn't believe it myself walking out there. How these guys would say this was legal. And it, it, or not illegal. Yeah. I won't say it's legal. I'll say it's not illegal. There is a difference, I think. Yeah, no, I, yeah, right. There is a difference. And uh, I said, so how the hell can somebody, what was it? Was it Starbucks? I'm not, I'm not positive. I think it was where they, they all of their profit from their, their, I guess they had a boatload of Starbucks in London. I've never been over there, so I don't know. And, and evidently all the profit was being booked in Amsterdam, where they had like one or two stores. Because yeah. the, the rate in Amsterdam, they, they, they must have run the coffee or something. They ran something through Amsterdam, kicked up the transfer price. So at the price they actually sold the coffee to the places in London, they weren't making any money or some, some story like that? Where the actual profit yeah, I don't was... Know. I don't. Well, yeah, I don't know that. I, I, don't, I, know I don't know if that was specifically. This is a long time ago, but I mean, yeah. how, how does the IRS? I mean, how how does the, the people in London not go? Wait a minute, <laughs> you get you got a thousand stores here, which is probably way too many, and you got two stores in Amsterdam. Like, let all the money, all the money's being made in Amsterdam. And what kind of BS is that? But you know, right. there doesn't there doesn't appear to be a BS meter on this stuff, is there? <laughs> No, there doesn't appear to be a BS meter. Although maybe we should, maybe we should do one. By the way, you know what? I put this in my notes. Have you ever heard of this statistic? In London, they reported unemployment today. They said that unemployment went down just a little bit in London, but that their data point identified as economically inactive went up to 21.1%. I'm not sure what that means. Economically inactive. Does that mean... I guess that means... You're someone that has no interest in working. You're not even looking for a job. You don't really care. Because if you got laid off, if you're unemployed, that means you must have had been working at some point and got laid off. Am I right? Um, this is uh, from, from listening to uh, Carol on Friday, who's the, our expert on this stuff. If, if you look at our, at our 
sheet of paper, the A1 number, Kenny, which I'm sure you have, but there's a, all the people that allegedly could be in the labor force. Yeah. There's the people that are working. There's the people that are unemployed, which is defined as actively looking for a job, which has kind of been bastardized now into the minute you're not getting a check, you're not considered actively looking for a job. That's why the unemployment number is so screwed up. And then there's the, there's the final column, which is retired people, students, I mean, right. anybody who's, who's not either working or actively looking for a job. In that column, there has to be people who, uh, if, if you go down to the A6 numbers and stuff, in that column, there's people that, are, uh, that have a job, say you've got a master's in, uh, in, in engineering, and all, you and you're turning burgers at McDonald's because you can't get a job. There's, or you're part time looking for full time. There's all kinds of subcategories that if you don't, I don't go down that far under the, under the stuff. That's why I have Carl. He does all that, and and I I have a, a suspicion that what you're talking about is one of the subcategories where there are people that we don't know for sure if they're actively looking for work, but they can't find the right job. So they're, they're there's some category for those people that they, it's either. It's either uh, part-time, you don't want part-time, or because we have those categories. It just must be a category they have for people that actually are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, even though they're trying to. Is, is my best explanation. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because we, yeah, have, no, we have a lot of those We have a lot of those subcategories in our stuff. I don't go down that far into the, into the statistic, but Carl does. You, you yeah. can talk about part-time looking for full-time and all those kinds of things. And... Uh, Whatever there's there's something there's there's a name for it where you're in a, a certain job but you're underutilized so you're looking for another job and you're real yeah, real, that, yeah underemployed yeah no yeah. underemployed I get that I get I've never seen though that the, like today I was when I was reading when I was reading the story it talked about the data point as economically inactive I, I never started to find that way I guess that's the woke My, that must be the woke if, definition if I had if I had to take a, a, a just a wild stab at it. Looking yeah. at our numbers, it would be somebody who went off the unemployment check last week, right? That is not officially quote looking for a job, even though he might be. So now he's just inactive. He's not right. Just inactive. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, and I agree. I just laughed when I saw it yeah. because the, you know the, the way they defined it. I thought to myself, well, that's interesting. <laughs> a new way to define that group of people. Well, really, even, but, but even right here, if you. If you are continuing to look for your job after you get your last check, yeah, you you, sh- you should be defined as still unemployed because you are looking for a job. You're just not agree. Yeah. If you're look, but but at least you're looking for a job. You're out there actively looking. I think economically inactive basically says you know screw you. I'm not working. I don't want to work. I'm not looking for a job. I'm going to sit here and and do nothing. But how would how would how would but if if you're what are we back to? We're back down to pre-COVID numbers. So what is it? Wait, how many weeks is unemployment? Is it twenty sixteen? Whatever, say it's twenty weeks. If, yeah. if you and I have a are unemployment for twenty weeks, whatever the number is, you know, I, and all of a sudden it's the twenty first week. How do yeah. they how do they know if we're still looking? Or B, how do they know we're even looking when it used to be when well, I when I work for I've uh, never been in that position? But aren't you supposed to go every week before you get your check? Aren't oh you yeah, yeah. To- now you you don't. I mean, I don't think. I think some states do it online. When I yeah. was, when everybody got laid off from Pullman, and uh, God, whatever year that was, so we all went to the unemployment place, like a whole bunch of us, and we just got on unemployment. And uh, I think that I never had to go there. I mean, I, I was only off work for 
six weeks or something. I got something else, and I, yeah, yeah. you know, and I just, I just sent him a letter saying, "Hey, by the way, I'm, I got a job, so send send me a check." I was, I was legit about it, uh, but yeah. but they, I don't think the, I didn't have to. Sometimes you used to have to, you used to have to actually go, Kenny, and then you have to, you have to tell them the places you actually interviewed or the resumes right, you sent exactly. out. Yeah. And now, yeah, now I, I think you can do it online, but I'm not positive. Like I say, I've, I've been in a position for how many years? Yeah. Uh, but no, there's supposed to be a way. And as soon as you stop that, I don't think anybody walks in two weeks after their check stops and says, "Here, by the way, keep me in the keep me in the group where I'm still looking, just so your stats are right." Yeah, right. <laughs> I hear you. Anyway, can, anyway, Kenny, take take care of yourself. Have a nice weekend. SPP yeah. was up seventeen. Nasdaq was up. Hey, by the way, I had real quick. And a couple of my what? biggest clients, when you were taking people on the New York Stock Exchange, yeah. uh, hey, we love Kenny. Next time he's in New York, let us know. We'll fly out. We'd love to have a tour. Listen, I'm happy to do it for you. If you want to set up, a, you want to set up a trip like that, and you got people that want to go, we can set it up. I'm happy to do it for you. Well, if you know, for instance, I'm going to be in New York, June 12th and 13th. Why don't we do it that way? We accommodate you. Uh, all right, I'll let you know the next time I'm going to be in New York. All right, bud. Thank you very much. SP Futures up 17. As if he's up 90, be right back. Professor Hell. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. There's something happening here. 
Well, North Bay Sykes Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 17. NASDAQ Futures up 90. Uh, we have, like, the one earnings that came out bad is Goldman Sachs. But they're, like, the only ones. Everybody else is doing okay in the earnings stuff. Uh, so, uh, Manny, did you look at the box score? We have Professor? We do. Um, did you look at the box score last night to see what the uh, uh, attendance allegedly was in Oakland? How, how did I did. It, it's uh, the announced attendance is the lowest I've ever seen, 4,700. Wow. Was the, is, the, is the announced attendance. So who knows what it actually was. Well, so that means there, there, there has to be, had to be some regular people there. When I say regular people, but tickets for that game. Yeah. So what would you say their season ticket load is? Three? It's got to be. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, it's bad. What do you, it's got to be the lowest in baseball. I, I think by far. Is, uh, well, you know, I, I, Hal, you're a worldly wide sort of dude. What what is the economic status of Oakland these days? I mean, I've, I, don't, I mean, I've driven through there like once, but I mean, are they are they in bad shape? I mean, is the property values down? Is it they have a downtown? I've never even I don't know anything about Oakland. Is it? Well, I've been there. I've been there once in the Navy, and uh, I think the Navy base is uh, in Alameda, and I have a nephew that lives in the Oakland area. But it probably has something to do with the fact that uh, maybe crime might be higher than, um, you know, if media don't report on it, it doesn't exist, right? So yeah. maybe it has something to do with the crime rate. Because I know in San Francisco they have, in San Francisco they have like, what, 30, 40% occupancy in their offices. And uh, people don't, I don't think, I think part of that has to do with the fact that they don't feel safe on the streets. So maybe that has something to do with it. I'm just, I'm just guessing. I haven't really looked into it, but uh, and my my nephew doesn't really say anything about the crime in in Oakland, but I think it probably has something to do with it, right? I mean, if you don't feel safe, you're not going to be out on a weeknight at a Oakland A's game. Plus, there seems to be a lot of I don't know. I don't know if it's an uptick in violence, but uh, there was like this brawl at a sporting event over the weekend. Sacks Park. Sacks Park. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. People don't feel safe at ball games. Manny, did you? Well, well, this was this was not the kind of brawl that you're talking about. A bunch of young thugs attacking people. This was a bunch of middle-aged white ladies fighting. Wow. (laughs) And and yeah, you had those what thousands of youth in downtown Chicago. Yeah, well, that was totally Uh, separate. Matter of fact, last night it was a big topic of conversation. If you'd have been here having an adult beverage, it was the the. The lady security guards didn't even engage. They <laughs> they just let everybody. in. by the time, evidently the, the story is, and Manny probably knows more than me. Story is that the Sox got swamped because all of a sudden they had a eighty degree day out of nowhere in April. So all of a sudden they had a pretty good crowd and they weren't staffed for it. And all of a sudden this fight breaks up. But it was in it was in the box seats, right, Manny? It was right. It was it between, like it was in the lower bowl for sure. Yeah, it was in it was between the uh, dugout and the and the first aisle. So the, uh, I mean, it was it was it was a bunch of women started throwing haymakers and wow. The, it took I don't think the, the what the the real security guys are what the yellow yellow jackets right Manny, I don't think they even got into the fray at all. But the, a, f- a few ladies showed up and they didn't even they didn't they didn't want to get in there and get smacked. Evidently it was it was weird. <laughs> guys guys were telling a story last night and they were laughing. <laughs> it was it was a it was all just a bunch of people there get all pissed off at each other and started winging haymakers. Ladies most of them. <laughs> it's not funny, I guess, but I don't know if anybody got hurt. 
I don't know what was what was the upshot, man? Did people get tossed or what? I don't even. No idea. Yeah, it's all over. I mean, you, you can we can watch a thing on uh, was it Facebook or Twitter or something? Because of course, yeah, I think was, I, I think I saw it. I think I saw it on uh, cable news last night. Yeah, it was. Uh, I didn't know. It was, I didn't know what was going on. This weekend was pretty busy for me. So, and last night I was um, fixing my in-laws' plumbing underneath the uh, their kitchen sink. Oh God! Apparently, the guy that did the work down there forgot to glue the PVC pipes together and was dripping out of the out of the the loop seal right so and you, onto the oh man it was it was a mess it, it ruined the drywall in the basement um so now are you a union plumber <laughs> well i know how to plumb i i uh i turned two closets a hall closet and an office closet i knocked down the wall in between and put a little bathroom in there and then i built a murphy bed in the office so that um it's like you know it's just nice i mean during the day, you have the Murphy bed up. And there's a desk on the Murphy bed that stays level as you lower the Murphy bed. So you can leave your laptop and you can leave your clutter on it. So during the day, it's like an office slash living room. And at night, you pull the Murphy bed down and it's a, like a hotel quality room. And so we used it for our, our out-of-town guests. It's pretty nice. Um, I can say that I've never... Maddie, is it on the bucket list for you? You want to sleep on a Murphy bed? <laughs> I've slept in a This Murphy one's bed. comfortable. Really? This one's comfortable. We're, we're here in Chicago? Um, no. Um, my mom has a Murphy bed in a, in a guest room in her house. Really? Yeah. Yeah, mine was, mine was custom built. I uh, watched a bunch of videos online how to build it. Then I engineered the, uh, the desk so that it stayed level. I have this, uh, like, bracket system on it to keep it level. So when you lower it, it stays level and stuff doesn't fall off. The, uh, was there some kind of a, a counterweight or you have to lift, lift the whole mattress up? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, there's a spring. There's a spring hinge. And um, I had to rebuild it once. The tenant I had in there living, she broke the metal hinge in, you know, various evening activities. I was going to say, what was she doing? <laughs> <laughs> so I rebuilt it with oak, and I used this really heavy-duty spring. But when I installed I was in a rush to install it. I, uh, I put the spring on, and I didn't have it far enough away from the wall. And so now it's really hard to adjust the spring, so it's pretty heavy pushing it up. <laughs> God, there's not much. There's not much spring. So you can't uh, put a. You know, if, I can imagine Maddie Weber renting a place like that for uh, a Airbnb and having a big sign on it. This this bed is for sleeping only, or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it's heavy duty oak now. It, 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 I don't think it's going anywhere. So. <laughs> it, it, it's heavier duty. The oak that I put on it and the frame that I built it and that hinge. It is really heavy duty, so um, a a big dude can have a good time on it if they want, if they wished. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I uh, when I was in the remodeling bit, I, I I just did old homes and uh, and condos. So early on, Hal, I figured out okay, what what can I accomplish myself here? What out of the trades, what should I do? And the uh, electrician came by and he said, okay, you don't you don't bring it in from the the post i'll do that i'll put the service in i'll string the uh all the conduit because chicago was all conduit he goes you do all the rest here's how you wire it here's how you put the switches in so i became a pretty accomplished electrician but don't ask me to to bend the bend the pipe because it, it'll look like a spaghetti bowl right <laughs> the, uh, so i figured, okay i'll do that the plumbing guy whatever whatever plumbing in an old place in chicago it's all you know uh, uh old pipe and all this kind of stuff and all has to be copper and sweated and the plumber shows up with a van that's got like thousands of hours worth of stuff in it. 
I'm thinking there's no way I'm ever doing that. You know, so I stayed away from the plumbing. I stayed away from the tile because the guy knows how to put tile in. It takes him, for me to do it, it would take a week. It takes him one day. I stayed away. Yeah. From, so I kind of zeroed <laughs> in on the stuff that I was, that I could do almost as good as the other guy. And there weren't very many. Well, you know. <laughs> what, what I did in this little bathroom, though, I, I kind of did the work over a course of like uh, six months. Oh, all right. So yeah, you can do I, I, just do, I just do a little bit a day and uh, just because I hate being bored. And I like always being busy. So uh, I, I did the bathroom over the course of six months, and then I built the Murphy bed over uh, – I had to rebuild it twice, but the first time I built it, it took me about, uh, I don't know, a month to kind of go from beginning to end. And I just kind of like doing it at a slow pace just to keep busy on the weekend. Well, one of the guys I – mean, I, I used to do the painting too, right? I was pretty good at it. I hate painting. I can't. I, I, I will. I will hire I, I, painting out. I don't like doing it at all. But, but that was something I could do, you know. But then all of a sudden, one day, um, and there's a reason why we have sec, what do they call it? Uh, what's the economic term? Uh, separation of labor or something? Division of labor. Division of labor. Uh, yeah. Audrey was going to. <laughs> yeah, Audrey was going to some store. Uh, I don't know what the hell she was doing. So there's a paint store, and uh, and I walk in just to look around to see if, if even the, the you know the names on the on the uh, Benjamin War was the same as I so. All of a sudden, the guy goes, hey, Chief, how are you? And I'm looking at him. He goes, I was at one of your seminars. I'm looking at him. Oh, yeah, I remember you. And he goes, why don't we make a deal? <clears throat> and I go, what's the deal? He goes, I won't try and manage my money, and you don't try and paint a house. <laughs> 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 and I go, you know what? I think I'll make that deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something to be said for that, Al. I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, Have you ever seen Couples Retreat where Vince Vaughn is at the uh, – they're, they're picking out tile colors, and his wife's going with this expensive tile. And he's like, well, this one looks just like it, and it's like ten times cheaper. <laughs> and well, then his son his son uh, sees a toilet, you know, a display model toilet, and he, uh, he he thinks it's a real toilet, and he, he goes to the bathroom in it. Oh, I can God. tell you that. I can see that happening with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were replacing some stuff in our, our place. We were remodeling, I don't know what unit it was so i have a, i have a guy who uh shall we say distributes some of the uh I, this will never happen i would never do something like this he sort of distributes some of the stuff around everybody's garbage can well he puts the toilet down the block well somebody used it I'm like, you gotta be kidding me I'm like, I, well, but then one day it was gone so i guess it went somewhere it's in some landfill someplace used <laughs> well, my grandpa, my grandpa, when he got married to my grandmother in Idaho, they lived in this like two bedroom, two room house back in the nineteen twenties, and for their wedding, they were handed a toilet, oh, God. and the toilet apparently sat, you know, brand new toilet, sat there in the kitchen for like a year, and then finally, my grandpa apparently took, made a hole in the, uh, in the, uh, in a closet in this little teeny house. And he, were, he ran a pipe from that toilet into his field, and then he put the toilet on top of the pipe, and <laughs> uh, then he had a water closet. Well, the, uh, the you see how people used to live. I mean, I when uh, John, John Flanagan, and he's you know he's on on, uh, on Monday and on Thursday. John's a real researcher into uh, Chicago history and everything. And this is a question for you: Why are census records? Um, Withheld for seventy years. What what is the point of that? I mean, I don't know if you knew. Maybe that or not. maybe the, well, when I was doing my dissertation, I had a and I was doing some follow up research uh, 
and I was pulling, you know, actual records. I wanted to pull records from uh, the Washington State Welfare Office and do additional research. The first data set I got was de-identified, and all the identifiers were taken out of it. But then I wanted to do more detailed um, investigation of uh, the effects of welfare form on work or marriage or abortion, whatever it was, birth rates. And uh, I needed more detailed information, and I had to go through a course on um, uh, uh, not having a data set, not releasing the data set. This is like 15 years ago. Being really careful of the data set, uh, pulling identifiers out of it, uh, you know, maybe randomly sampling the entire data set, and they keep the actual caseload data in-house. So there's a lot of safeguards in place, and maybe the government's trying to prevent people from being identified. I don't know. That's I mean, totally I'm think. talking about two years ago, they just released the, the 1950s census. Yeah. That's kind of a long time ago. Uh, yeah, that is that. That is weird. I've never heard of that before, but it probably has something to do with the fact that they want to keep... Uh, maybe it's a privacy issue. But and I, you, you, could take, you could take information in a row of data, and you can figure out who that person is. You can actually do that. Yeah. There, well, there's I mean, ways of doing it. So John, John digs through, because I, I gave him the, uh, where I thought my family had lived, so of course John, being a resourceful dude that he is, sends me this stuff, and I got the, I got, uh, I received the, from my Italian side and my Irish side, the stuff from 1920, when they first, you know, had addresses, to uh, 1950. And uh, and it's well because evidently when they go through to do the census, Manny, have you ever had anybody come to your house? I never have, but uh, evidently one out of ten people, even in those days, they asked you like more questions, and that's the part somehow or another they're trying to uh, protect. Yeah, but that's called the long form census. Well, but yeah. but when they came to your house in those days, you didn't yeah. fill up. So uh, evidently, my grandmother was one of the people where they're at the bottom of the page. They did the block, and she was one of the people the block where they, they asked more. <laughs> Boy, talk about a survey. Uh, schooling, Ireland, what level? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it, was, it was like five questions that gave you nothing. You know, uh-huh. what, what grade would you say was your top grade? I don't know, whatever whatever it was. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 was, it was nothing. And uh but what I do recall is my I mean, the house that we lived in when my mom and dad first got married. His sister lived there too, like with their kid, or her kid. She wasn't married. Well, it was divorced or whatever. So there were f- four people, including me, so I guess I was a half a person, in his house. And it was, you know, one bathroom and a small kitchen, pantry. I don't know if there was a closet or anything. Well, it turns out in the census, at one point there were seven people living there, adults, like four adults. I'm like, where, wow. the hell, where do they put these people? I mean, I... They had three tiny bedrooms. Uh, the grandparents, the parents, and three kids are living in this place. Yeah, well, that, that happens today in Haitian households in New York City. Newly arrived people from Haiti will come and they'll stay with friends, a family. And my my in laws had a uh, a uh, I think a cousin living with them for like fifteen years. So my mother in law, my father in law, could work. My father in law had two like, jobs and. She had one job as a nurse, and uh, the the person that lived with them was more of a mother because she was always around the house. She was taking care of the kids, getting them ready for school, cooking their meals. So I think it happens a lot in immigrant households. Well, you know, it's better than what happened in Victorian England. In Victorian England, 
the immigrants coming in from the Jews that were coming in from Russia because they were being murdered by uh, I don't know the czarist regime or the Irish coming in uh, to escape the potato famine there are pictures of them on the internet floating around still where the immigrants pay like I don't know a pence or something a small amount to sleep because they don't have much money right. to sleep on a rope to sleep on a rope and they're they're hunched over the rope literally right because they don't have enough money for the mattress that's on the floor in the basement can you imagine how nasty it smelled down there oh. with these guys hunched over these ropes well man you know you know man he's been in my place for dinner a bunch of times but it's it's it's, a, it's an apartment it's a standard city apartment uh three bedrooms small but i mean it's, it's barely big enough for me <laughs> and uh when Robin and I went and looked at a couple of those buildings back in 1978, apartment just like mine, Maddie, would have a family in the back where the kitchen and stuff is, and then with the one bathroom, they'd share the bathroom, and there would be a, a sliding door, and then there would be a, a, a sink where my, my dining room is. There'd be a sink and a refrigerator and a hot plate there for the other family. And you'd mm. share the, and you'd sit there, how the hell? I mean, I guess, I guess you get used to it. Uh, in Arm and well, it, might, it might have been a boarding house too. There was a lot of boarding. Yeah, it was just two families, hmm, just two families. Uh, in Armand Hammer's book, uh, when he when he grew up in well, hell, the guy died what ten years ago in ninety five. So we're talking a long time ago. Uh, he said in, in uh, the where did all the Jewish people live in New York? Was it Soho? Oh, where all the that, the, the garment yeah, the, the garment district yeah, the garment district yeah. a lot of. He said it, because it was all flat roof buildings without any insulation. I mean, for those that don't know, I guess you learn weird stuff on Stocks and Jacks. Those houses are actually hotter at night than they are during the day because if there's no insulation in the attic, the attic gets really hot, and the top apartments actually get hotter because the heat comes through the ceiling at night. I mean, and then, it, then it'll cool off a little bit. He said they would sleep on the fire escape. Yeah. I mean, the ki- you, if you were a kid, you got a step, and the parents got the, uh, the, <laughs> the platform. Can you imagine? We're talking about, the you know, the... Uh, the, the metal that you can see through you yeah. open up your eyes and, and looking 15 stories down how the hell do you sleep I, yeah. I, I guess you get used to anything but well, I, I don't if, know about if that you, if you worked real hard that day and you did a you know 15 hour day you can pretty much sleep anywhere in the navy and when I was in boot camp I remember being woken up like at 4 o'clock in the morning to go marching and my buddies and I were so tired that we would I, I literally fell asleep a couple times marching I was like sleep marching well my buddy uh he and uh, well, they knew some people, so they they got to fly out and land on an aircraft carrier, you know, which is like a prop plane. And he goes, "We were on a prop plane, and uh, the idea of landing on this thing—it's like a postage stamp on the ocean." And we're sitting there, are we really going to do this? <laughs> and he said, "But they, they spent like two hours on the aircraft carrier for a tour." <clears throat> he said, "The noise, planes taking off, coming." He goes, "How the hell does anybody get any sleep?" But I evidently, well, you know, I don't think you—I don't think you really because the the barracks or the the birthing compartments are kind of like at least in the uh, Truxton where I was on the the birthing compartments for the enlisted people are below the water line so it's a little quieter but still it's yeah. because there's 10,000 yeah. people on this thing I mean, yeah, well, there, were, there were 500 there were 500 people on our ship and our ship was only 500 feet long were you a, was that a destroyer or was it a, what was that it, it was like a nuclear powered cruiser or kind of like a mini Destroyer, a little more agile. So like a like a uh, what do they call them? They're not what's what do they call the things that aren't destroyers? Uh, frigate. Well, our well, ours was, it a well, ours was a cruise. 
No, it wasn't a frigate. It was just a little. It was like a little tiny battleship, a cruiser. A cruiser, a tiny battleship. Yeah. Jeez. The problem with it is the reactor was so old that if we did a full uh, bell, if we did full head, a head, a flank bell, a full speed at a flank. I forget what that is. Oh, you had one of those old. You had one of those old. uh, There were two or three nuclear powered cruisers built. Yeah, you you were on one of those. Wow. Yeah, if you if you open up the valves real quickly and did a flank bell, you know, like I don't know, thirty knots, and then you did back, uh, you know, all stop back full emergency, you could actually shut down the reactor because the reactor was so old. There was this, it, it would build up the xenon, that would just shut down the reactor. So we had. We were always doing like 15 knots, so we weren't very agile. And we had zigzag to slow us down. We would zigzag on our way to uh, Australia. We'd do Z patterns all the way there because we always had to answer like a uh, uh, a 15 knot uh, a bell, like ahead one third or something. How did it was that, very how did very, you, how long of a trip would you go from San Francisco or, or Hawaii? To... We went from Seattle to. Uh, Hawaii. And that was interesting because it was during the winter, so the swells were like 30 feet. And there was a river puke everywhere. I was I was fine. I was intuitive. And I was kind of playing on the fact that I was sick when I wasn't really. I was eating four meals a day. <laughs> and anytime our, our chief would walk by, our training division chief would walk by, I'd like groan like I was sick. <laughs> all, my, all my classmates were just puking left and right. And, I mean, you, you would hit that 30-foot swell, and you could be on the next deck with your hands on the rails of the ladder going from deck to deck, you could be it'd be like a fast elevator. Or if you're on the flight deck, you could you could dunk easily on a five foot swell. <laughs> well, I mean, I, a thirty foot swell has got to be coming over to bow. Yeah, it, we were going up the swell and we'd slam into the water. It was crazy. Uh, uh, we call them pits, but there are beds. They're bunk beds, three high. I heard uh, in one person compartment that they uh, collapsed in and people were kind of tossed because of the God. the swells are so big and and you know you just the ship would just slam Buttery's, into the water. Uh, Buttery's dad told me that his he was in Okinawa and he was a bunch of places. He was a a, a runway repair guy, um, so he was in the army. But he and he had a gun, but he he wasn't running out in the jungle. You know, but he was he was there in case a, a bomb landed on the runway to him and his guys to go out and fix the hole, basically. Oh wow! So, so he was in the Aleutians. that's not a fun job. Yeah, so he was in the Aleutians. Uh Anyway, so I said, "What was the most afraid you ever were?" And he goes, "On the trip back." I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "We were on this piece of crap Liberty ship that was sold and beat up." And he goes, "We get in this storm, and we're 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 in steerage, and you could see the thing leaking, hoping that the you know the." <laughs> And he says, all of a sudden, the, the, every time you go up and down a wave, the screw would come out of the water. <laughs> he goes, every thought we were dead. We said we went through all this stuff just to get killed on the way home with this piece of crap. <laughs> but somehow or other, you know, weather cleared up and they made it. He goes, I goes. Well, I, I bet they were scared. But if you looked at the crew, they probably looked like the stewardesses when you're hitting those really bad turbulences yeah. and the plane's dropping 20 feet in the air. Yeah. They're all calm, right? I bet the crew's really calm. I don't think they were. All panicked. I was. It was a real, real quick, goofy story because this next half hour we're going to talk about uh, recession, the chances thereof. Because we talked about Nancy yesterday of how many people are in their houses relatively comfortably at a three percent mortgage, but if all hell breaks loose and everybody gets thrown out of work and they all got to move, it's a real problem. Uh, but it's, yeah, my uh, I was on a plane. I was flying to Vegas of all places on a DC ten, and some lady had a pretty serious asthma attack up in uh, 
uh, first class. So we're, we're like halfway between Denver and Vegas, and for those of you that don't know, other than maybe some uh, you know, Air Force base that nobody wants anybody to land, there's basically no place to put down a DC-10 between Vegas and Denver. So we were kind of right in the middle. And uh, so, of course, they, it was their doctor on the plane, so some young guy comes up, and he looked like he was a movie star, right? So, of course, every one of the students is coming by going, God, you see that doctor? <laughs> you know? uh, <laughs> so, but, but for those of you that don't know, the, the, the oxygen that pops out of an airplane is not the oxygen you would receive in a hospital. It's, it's, just, it's just regular air. It's 80-20. You can breathe it if you're over 10,000 feet. But there's no, at that time, there was no, like, oxygen, oxygen, and, you know, no, like, tank to, to uh, help this lady out. So the guy's trying to calm her down and all this stuff. So they come around and they grab all the, all the trays. They put your tray tables up to the, you know, up and basically. And, and all of a sudden, they, the thing, you can tell the thing's starting to move. And Stu comes by and she goes, Is everything all, all up? And I go, yeah, it's, everything's fine. I said, by the way, would it, would it be fair to say the pedal is to the metal? And she goes, it would be very fair to say. The, the, the guy covered, the ground was moving, so he must have put the thing in a slight dive. It, yeah. And, 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 the, and the thing hit ground at the, at the end of the runway. He got total clearance. There wasn't one turn he made, and they had the ambulance show up. And the lady was okay, so everything was cool. But, uh, boy, he, he got there pretty fast. He got there wow. pretty fast. SP Futures up 20, NASDAQ Futures up 99. And Hal, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you for your economic stuff and not just crazy stories. Uh, let's talk about the chances of recession. What a recession would even mean? How would you define it? Are people already in it? So we got a lot of half hour of good work to do this half hour. We'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. Five six. That's seven zero eight three four nine three four five six. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and 
jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Tyson Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. And we're on the board. SP Futures up 18.50. NASDAQ Futures up 95. Uh, futures up 44. So we're pretty much uh, up across the board. Johnson & Johnson in earnings. They're up 245. That's a percent and a half. Bank America is up uh, 69 cents. They were up 65 cents yesterday. So they're actually up almost a buck 50 in uh, two days, which is 5%. Uh, we got Goldman Sachs going the other way, however. They are, uh, they're, down, they're down $11 now, so they're down three and a quarter. A lot. They claim their bond bond uh, department didn't do so hot, but they still they still made money. Obviously, over in Europe, DAX up 104.7 percent, FTSE up 13.2 percent, GAC around up 49.7. So FTSE's the lagger there, but still up. Over in Asia, uh, Nikkei up 144.5 percent, Hang Seng down 131.6 percent, uh, Shanghai up a little bit, up seven uh, seven bucks. That's 0.2 percent. Uh, yesterday is a way of review. Dow was up 100, S&P up 13, NASDAQ up 34. So basically got back half of what was lost on Friday, but today looks like we're going to get back the rest, at least as of now. Uh, Bonds, uh, unchanged, it's 3.59. The Bund up down one basis point, 2.46. Japan unchanged, 0.48. Oil uh, down 27 cents, 80.56. Still kind of hacking around here between like 83 and maybe 77 for the last, it's kind of range bound. Rent down 28 cents, 84.48. Uh, gas prices are continuing to go up, though. Natural gas down 2 cents, uh, 2.25. Arbob down 2 cents, 2.74. So Arbob's actually down like 10 cents in the last week and a half, and yet the price to pump here is up another 6, so I don't know what that's all about. Uh, gold up 10.20 now, 2017. Silver up 14 cents, 25.23. Copper unchanged, 4.07. Crypto. Up 898, back up over 30,000. A big drop down yesterday, now it's going right back up again. 30,418 on the Bitcoin. And the US dollar, uh, whack whack, down a 0.4%, both against the euro and the, the pound. Euro is almost back to 110, 109.7, and the pound almost back to 125 at 124.4. Anyway, what do you got for us, Trevor Weather Sports? Coming up on 38 minutes past the hour, good morning once again to everyone out there. That earlier crash on the Tri-State is all clear, so that's good news. But we are seeing some heavy traffic build up as you're heading inbound on the Edens and Kennedy. Same for the Eisenhower and Stevenson Southside Expressways. Uh, but the Tri-State itself uh, looks like it is uh, mostly cleared from that earlier crash, so that's good news. Off the Expressways, we have a crash out in the Western Burbs, Butterfield Road at Finley Road. Uh, and then north of there, uh, there's a crash on US-20 at Elgin O'Hare Expressway. Uh, those are only two crashes in the area. Weather today, lots of sunshine. will warm up a little bit from the last couple of days. Still a bit below normal, but better than it has been. Partly cloudy skies with a high of 55. Right now it's clear and 36 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy with a high of 86 today. Right now it's clear and 85. In sports, Cubs are 9-6. They blew out the A's last night, 10-1. Sox were postponed. They'll play a doubleheader this afternoon at 3-10 against the Phillies. Sox are 6-10 on the young season. Diamondbacks double up the Cardinals 6-3. The D-backs are off to a good start. They're 10-7. Chief. The, uh, hell, we have uh, a lot of stuff going down with all you talk about, all, I mean, all of the financial presses. You know, are we in a recession? What's a recession? Of course... Now that anybody can define a recession however they personally want to, I guess depending on whether you think there's going to be one or not, there will be or there won't in your own mind, right? Because we don't, we, now everybody can define their own. 
Um, all, all, I, all I know is I think these people are, are, are going crazy with these numbers that they're giving us. So the real impact of the inflation has not been felt in the CPI. So it doesn't show that a big chunk of people are in a recession. Uh, but I think they are. And I, I remember or a bunch of stuff that Milton Friedman said, but I remember one thing very, very distinctly when he said, uh, inflation is the, is the cruelest tax there is. And uh, you know what? I don't know why that that knowledge of that does not permeate through our society and our elected officials. I was listening to uh, Kevin McCarthy who was on uh, the new Speaker of the House. And I guess I, I'm so tired of listening, looking up closely. I mean, maybe he's a little bit of a change, but just same old crap. He was on yesterday talking about the Democrats this and that and how uh, they shouldn't have raised the debt ceiling because the Democrats are spending too much money. And I, and I don't I don't understand how in this world we're supposed to have some truth. We're not supposed to sort of have some truth, but not really have some truth. How does the person interviewing him say, uh, Speaker, with all due respect, uh, George Bush doubled the budget deficit or the, the debt load. Uh, Obama doubled it. Trump damn near doubled it in four years. And now this guy's doing it. Why don't we Why don't we lay off? Which side is is at fault? Because it sure seems to anybody who announced a range are both at fault, and trying to get some sort of solution here. Can anybody say that to the man? Yeah, it's pretty rich for him to say that because uh, Trump, he was no fiscal conservative when he was president. No. And you look at the, I mean the, the deficit was um, before he took office. I think the deficit was trending um toward trending um getting uh can it kind of getting worse and worse and worse and then it got really bad and then covid hit yeah and then uh the deficit i think it got to like 2.3 trillion at its worst maybe maybe it was 3.2 well, at its worst. Something the, was at 3.2 at its worst they put through the tax yeah uh decrease by the way i love tax decreases but they put through the tax decrease under the, in the Trump administration under the guise that this will be accretive that in, in five years we'll actually get more taxes in. That's such, such a load of crap. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's like uh, Biden spending a trillion dollars on infrastructure saying it's going to cause so much good stuff, so many jobs that will end up with more taxes 10 years from now. That's a load of crap, too. Yeah. I, mean, but I, but we're, I mean, right now we're at this spot. I, I think a real lot of people, and I mean, based on what Nancy was saying yesterday, is a lot of the, your, your, your real trigger points are, and she's been, you know, doing mortgages forever. She goes, she put an awful lot of people in houses in the last five years or three years at 29 to 3.4%. That as long as they're, they have their job, even if inflation's a little bit, everything's going to be okay. But in most of those cases, she won't well, forget what the percentage she said yesterday, probably 50 to 60% of them could not afford their same their their same home if the, if the rate's six and a half. Yeah. So if any if anything if the recession gets to the point where you scramble people like we did in two thousand and eight, there's some really big problems there. If if not, if we can just kind of go along for a few years and it's not too bad, we can maybe grow our way out of it. What what's your read on that? A, a, a am I right? Is she right? And B what are the chances of us sneaking through? Well, if you look at you guys were talking about unemployment before yeah. uh, I came on with Kenny. And if you look at unemployment claims, they move 
the number of unemployment claims moves with the unemployment rate. And the unemployment claims uh, from the pandemic on seem to be diverging from past patterns. Um, and it looks like it kind of bottomed out a few months ago. But now it looks like it's leveling out. So I'm not sure if it's on the rise. And if it's on the rise, that usually signals we're in recession. So, and then the unemployment rate is extremely low. I mean, unemployment claims are extremely low. The unemployment rate is extremely low. But yet you have uh, office buildings in major cities uh, with high occupancy, uh, low, low occupancy rates. So I'm trying to figure out if we're, if you look at the unemployment rate, we're, we're thinking that we're in a recessionary gap where GDP is a lot higher than potential GDP. But then when you look at other things, uh, you know, it, it kind of feels like we're in a recessionary gap, we're out of a recessionary gap. And I think policy is so skewed our market system that um, it's hard to tell um, what numbers to trust. I mean, you got inflation that is indicating that we're in an inflationary gap. Uh, so, I, you know, it's just really hard to tell. I don't know. I mean, I used to think like I could read the Fed, but I can't read the Fed. I mean, they've jacked up. You look at the federal funds rate, it goes straight up. And then you look at M2, and M2 is screaming down. It's like a negative six or seven right now. Well, um, what's it going to so be? Money, what's it going to be this? Two, what's going to be this month? Roll the money they yeah. poured in three weeks ago. Yeah. So, you know, then you look at lending, and lending seems to be going up. You have lending going up, and you have M2 coming down. Um, the federal funds rate is going straight up, uh, which triggered uh, banks like SVB to go under and have to be uh, bailed out and, and rescued by another bank. So I think they've just gotten things so messed up that it's really hard to tell what's going on and, and where this is going. I mean, what, what what might the Fed do? The Fed might decide, hey, we're going to just keep rates here for a while. And then, I mean, will that trigger a, a, a reinflation? Well, so I, I it's think just that, hard to tell. I think that the, uh, and this is, boy, I sure hope I'm wrong. I think that the the investor world, without maybe even knowing about it, I mean, when you think about it, Hal, during COVID, the idea that the market went up every day because they they turned the place into the Weimar Republic and just poured money into the system. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody in the stock market world, if you see that happen and we go into a recession, the Fed's response is going to be exactly what it was four weeks ago. Yeah. With the with the bank going under, they're going to pour more money into the system. The market's going to go up, yeah. not down, during a recession. Yeah. Yet, if you decide, define a recession as, uh, you know, Hal Snar, the professor, last year did his expenses, his his cost of living, for lack of a better term, went up six percent, and his raise was three. By any stretch, no matter what manner of moron you happen to be, Hal is in a recession. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to say that some huge percentage of the population is in that category and has been for the last four or five years. I would say at least the bottom 50%. I I mean, I would say, this is a weird weird argument I had with with Carl of all people, not argument discussion. Uh, 
Uh, you're taking the same side here, so I'll, I'll minorly attack you for, for the moment as well. Uh, p- people think that that families uh, that make, you know, pick a number, what I would say well-to-do but not wealthy. Let's say the top, not, not 1% or 5%, but say somebody at that 15% level or, or 10% level. You're, you're, the, you're the couple in the suburbs that make 275 to 300 and you know you have the nice house in the suburbs with the big mortgage you've got you know maybe maybe the roof that now is going to be 90 grand to replace that 10 years ago was yeah. 40 uh you've got the two cars i i think that even though you're not going to run a tag tag day for those people those people kind of a horrible term you're not going to run a tag day for those people but don't, don't think for a second that they are not in recession as well is their taxes yeah. is their taxes all of a sudden i think there's people all over this country that uh well I'm, you know i'm not one of them but it, say they're making them and the wife here are making 300 grand the kids are going to the school in the burbs maybe a private school uh paying the, the serious taxes the water bill and whatever else and all of a sudden they need new windows in the house or a new roof or God help you, you need a new car because you need two cars because there's no public transportation anywhere. I'm going to say that, that that group, and again, I'm not like I'm feeling horribly sorry, I think that those people in the last three years have been in a serious recession because I think their expenses are going up even higher than the person in the bottom 10%. Well, yeah, I mean, you got these low interest rates for like 15 years. That induces people to go into debt, to buy brand new automobiles, to buy the big house with the $90,000 roof that needs to be replaced in 15, 20 years, right? Yeah. So these low interest rates have induced people to uh, malinvest and overconsume. And they overconsume with debt. I mean, why, why wouldn't you buy brand new cars with 0% interest rates? I mean, so the, the Fed induces all this malinvestment and overconsumption. I think there's so much of it that it's really hard to read what's going on. I mean, are we in a recessionary gap where, you know, I, I would argue, I would think that for high-end goods, for wants, um, probably definitely in a recession. Yeah. For needs, we're probably, we, we could be in a recession for needs, but inflation, I, I don't know if they're capturing inflation right. They're not. And if they're if they're way underestimating it, that means GDP is overestimated, yeah, which well, means we exactly probably had a couple years of negative growth. Well, the, the, the thing that has never been estimated properly is the health care. Yeah. I don't want to go and there. I, yeah, and I think, I think the inflation is so poorly measured that, we're, that if it's way underestimated, then GDP growth is wo- way overstated. And we I, could have, you know, maybe we could have had like, Six quarters of negative economic growth. I, I think I, was, I think it's been six years. Maybe six years. Yeah, it could be. We we just don't know, right? We don't know the extent of it because I think these inflation numbers are so skewed with all the money printing. I, I just tweeted something about an hour ago um, from the Mises Institute, where the where Ryan McMakin, the editor of the Mises Wire and other publications, posted M two over time and the COVID bubble of M2 that was created is incredible. And the Fed has brought M2 down, I think he said about $1.6 trillion. But there's a long ways to go 
to get back to the pre-COVID trend. Oh, it's not even the. Uh, I'm going to kick up a number here for you when I find it. But there was a when I when my Fed guys were how can I say this nicely? We're still coming to work. <laughs> we, I, I'd be, Are they still out of the office? Oh God, yeah. There's like yeah. Nobody, you, you have to let them know so they have, they have a, a desk for you if you're coming back for a couple of days. I mean, you know, I mean, really? I mean, yeah. I, I I can't go there, but the uh, even though I, I sort of just did. Uh, they hit me up with a you now maybe that's why you are a professor and I'm not. Uh, they hit me up with a number. This is this is two three years ago when they were pouring all this money into the system. Uh, they you know you know what you know what M zero is. M zero is like that money that's within the uh, banking system, like the repurchase agreements and all that. Is that it, what that it's, is? It, it's the money that is kicked back to the Fed on a given night. Oh, okay. So. Kick, kick back to the Fed from banks. Yeah, because they, okay. they, they, were, they were paying interest on it back in the... Yeah. They were pouring, well, they were pouring so much money into the system, Hal, that it never even... The system couldn't absorb it. There was so much slap that it was, you know, uh, that it was actually coming back to the Fed at night. So I think they can lower M2 a little bit before they hit a spot where they're actually lowering it. You know what I'm saying? If that even makes any sense. But here's the number I wanted to throw at you. Uh, money, the M2 money supply now, and again, before we're some people's heads, just write in and we'll define this more next time hell's end. M2 money supply now is $21 trillion. All right. Guess where it was in 2000? Probably below 20, right? Uh, 4.7. 4.7. Wow. What year was that? 2000. 2000. Oh, 2000. I thought you said 2020. No. Sorry. So it's up. Wow. Pushing five times. Yeah. Well, four and a half times. There's no way on earth that our our uh, GDP is up five times in 22 years. Yeah, there's just no way. We're not even close. I used to refer to I used to refer to M2 in my money and banking class as kind of like rich person money, and I can I, I would refer to M1 as like poor person money because poor people, you know, they have checking accounts. Yeah. They might have a savings account, right? Well, it, so, was, it was it was companies. Yeah. They, they yeah, companies. But anyway, yeah. what those guys told me, I forgot to mention, but they said M zero was actually higher than M one at one wow. point. But now, but now we don't get M one anymore, so we don't know. You know, yeah. we don't, but somebody does. Uh, you know, which is a, obviously a, a big problem with me. But I, the, uh, I, I, the, and I, again, I, I don't want to uh, hold a tag team for the person. You know, y- you and the wife. Uh, you know, make your make your three hundred a year. You go buy a house that's four fifty, which is not a massive place. You're talking about a nice ranch home, maybe in Orland or someplace, maybe on a third of an acre or a quarter of an acre or something. You got the two car garage, and you got a couple of you know cars you've had for five years, and all of a sudden it's five years later, and a wife needs a new car, and you go get her something decent. You want her driving some junk. You walk into the Cadillac guy or even the Buick guy. Well, that'll be that'll be sixty five, sir. Five five grand over a list, and you go, what the what the bleep are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, the idea is, is isn't it isn't hitting people at that level to where they're saying, wait a minute, we're paying this on the mortgage, we just had to put a new roof on, and now now I got a car payment for six years. What the hell? Or ten years? Yeah, well, my mother in law, I told my mother in law, she has this guy that comes by and does some work on the house. And he's always having truck problems. And she goes, well, he had to just buy a new truck. And I go, Mom, do you know how much a new truck costs? She hadn't purchased a car in like 20 years, right? She has the same car that she had 20 years ago. I go, Mom, these new trucks are like 
75, 80,000 yeah, dollars. Yeah. The the used ones are like depending on how many miles they have, they can be anywhere from 35 to 50,000. Oh yeah. Well, Carl went out. He's got a uh a, like a 2001 1500 half ton suburban that he pulls his motorhome around with when he's doing a you know, when he's going to go run a marathon or something. We said, you know, this thing is getting a little long in the tooth. Plus, I wanted to get a 2,500, three-quarter ton, for those that don't know. He goes, I wanted to get a, just a, a regular pickup truck, a work truck. You know, it had the extended cab so I could put somebody back there. He goes, it was starting at, like, 58. Yeah. And it's a work truck. It's not even, uh, you know, a really nice interior and all the other stuff with it. Because these guys are out of their mind. Uh, yeah. Know. So the inflation, the inflation rate has to be way overstated. Oh, yeah. Which means GDP is way, way – which means GDP growth – is probably actually really negative, and it's like you said, it might might have been negative for the last six years. I mean, I, I could actually uh, agree with that. I mean, you just we don't know. I did right? a, but if you, if you look at the prices of things like houses and trucks and food, it's got to be higher than what the government statement is. I uh, I did a a, a thingy in a, in a a very snowy Saturday morning. I couldn't even go out for a walk or anything, so I said, you know what, I got nothing better to do. I dug through. I went. I got some numbers. Two thousand. This is sloppy. You know, if you were, if you were to have some of your peeps do it, how many peeps you up to now? Ten. You got guys do whatever you want them to do. They're, they're, oh no, I'm the I'm the department. I hire adjuncts to teach classes, and I teach four classes a semester. Yeah, but you must have some peeps that can do assignments for you. <laughs> well, yeah, I got. Well, we're a small we're, we're a small Christian liberal arts college, so we don't have too many students. <laughs> well, anyway, I went through. I said, okay, this probably was uh, two years ago. So I said, right, I'm going to start at 2000. And t- 2000 and I'm gonna, at that time, the CPI was 0.56 higher. So, okay. Uh, so they would say that if, you know, if something had cost a buck in 2000, now it should cost $1.56. That was, means when the CPI is 5.6 higher. So yeah. I, I dug through. We only got a minute here. I'll, I'll be fast. Uh, with the, uh, the, I dug through and I got college tuition. And I had it up 2.85 percent. So, so instead of uh, being a dollar, it was going to be, you know, whatever, 200. It was it was two dollars and eighty five cents. It was up. Uh, no, it was up. It was up almost three uh, three times. So it would be four bucks. Uh, the and then I did uh, I did hospital hospital and I don't know what hospital numbers were. And also, I dug through. Uh, Per person insurance that a company like PTI would have to pay if we hired you to, to pay for your health insurance, and it came out to the same number, two point eight five. Mm-hmm. Bizarre as it may yeah. seem, and then make it even more crazy. I'm trying to figure out what primary education was, and I was having trouble with it. So I took uh, taxes, and I figured in Illinois, and again this is sloppy. Uh, I took the taxes, which are roughly what fifty five percent for education. In virtually every state, there fifty to sixty percent of your tax bill is for the schools. So I looked at Illinois tax bills, property tax bills, and they were up it was the exact same number, two point mm. eight five versus point five. Uh. So we weren't even in the same. And those are three huge things in your basket. And yet, yeah. if you look at the CPI and add those things together, well, first of all, taxes aren't even in there, right? So if you if yeah. you if you so. They have hospitalization as seven percent of your basket, and they have uh, uh, high school and college educations like six or five or something. So we're talking about three things that that 
are near and dear to everybody, taxes, education, and hospitalization, was it's like 12% of your basket. And I had them up almost three times in 20 years versus the numbers had them up 0.6% or yeah. six, you know, 60%. It's, so, yeah, when you, when you ask me do I think that the numbers are under, under – they're not even on the same page. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you went to see what a, a, a car costs in 2000 versus 2021 or 20 – I mean, you, or a house. I mean, I don't even know what. Uh, well, here I, I've, I've got it. On, I got it here on the page. Uh, or I should yeah, if, if if the inflation numbers are uh, underestimated by say four or five percentage points, that mean and it's been like that for twenty years. That means economic growth rates are overstated by four or five percentage points. Median, median new home now four hundred forty nine thousand. Median new home in two thousand one hundred sixty three. Yeah. That's almost, that's my number, 2.8, right? Now, here, here's the rub, uh, Tom. All those industries you listed off at being two to three times more than they were in year 2000, all those industries are heavily regulated, yep. managed, or, you know, maybe outright owned like the banking system is basically a government yeah. cartel. All, all those things are heavily regulated, managed, or owned by government, right? The, the Amtrak, yeah. right? All that stuff, the post office, right? The things that keep the CPI low in terms of percentage change are things that are relatively free of government intervention. I'm, I'm with, you with the exception of ta- with the ex- with the exception exception of uh, tax or the taxes and you yep. know like the, the regulations. All right, right? Now we how we got a dash, but yeah, we you know some good stuff. I just hope we don't go into a recession because I think it's going to be harder on people than they think. Oh, I, I think so too. SP futures up eighteen, Nasdaq futures up ninety seven. Back tomorrow, stocks and jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.